the whole congregation of God's people journeyed through the wilderness in stages from one camp to the next as they made their way toward the land that God was giving them. A tremendous mass of people and property, women, men, children, livestock, and goods were being carted across the land. Everything that they owned was with them, being carried or dragged across the desert. The people of God were on their way to a life that none of them had known before. But to them, it felt like a life of hope and promise. The uncertainty of it all made things feel a little risky, but so far God had been with those people every step of the way, and surely God would not leave them now. But then the great horde of people came to a new camp, a new place, and when the people looked around, they discovered that something critical, something essential to life was absent from this new place, and they panicked. They came to Moses and cried to him, What are we going to do without any toilet paper? (laughs) Things are getting pretty serious, aren't they? Stores aren't just out of toilet paper, but people are lining up outside those stores before they open, just to be sure that they can get some, only to discover when those doors open that there isn't any to be had. Only a small percentage of patients have reported any kind of gastrointestinal problems, but still people are stocking up on toilet paper because it seems people are worried that they might be stuck at home for weeks on end. That's the reality that we are facing a world in which we are so cut off from one another, so cut off from any reasonable supply of toilet paper that we would grab everything we can and hoard it for ourselves. Have you ever actually run out of toilet paper, completely out of toilet paper? When I was a freshman in college, I went on a trip with a group to Thailand and Vietnam for a month. At the end of our trip, the night before we flew back to the States, after a month of eating some pretty bold dishes, everyone in the group decided to play it safe and to eat our last meal in a local shopping mall. Halfway through the meal, though, the trip caught up with me and I had to excuse myself and go to the bathroom. I walked out of the restaurant and asked someone where the restroom was to be found, and he pointed me downstairs, three floors downstairs, where the public restroom was. So I hurried, as one does, down two different escalators and across the courtyard and entered that public facility, only to discover that there was no toilet paper in the first stall I came to. I checked the next stall. Nothing. There was no toilet paper in any of the stalls, and I quickly realized that not only was there no toilet paper, there was no dispenser for the toilet paper. 
Confused, I looked on the wall of the restroom by the door where I had come in, and there, affixed to the wall, was a small metal vending machine that sold toilet paper, but that machine only took coins. And when I reached into my pocket, I discovered that I had none. So I raced as quickly as I could all the way back upstairs, across the courtyard, up to escalators, to my colleagues who were still eating dinner, and I said to them without explanation, I need some change. No one asked me why I needed some change, but they handed me the coins I needed, and so I shuffled my way back down to the restroom, put my coins in the vending machine, pulled the lever, took out the small cardboard box, and dove into the nearest stall, safe. Or so I thought. But when I opened the box, I found within it two translucent, thin pieces of tissue paper no bigger than my palm. I had no more coins. So I did the best that I could with the two squares that I had. And after that, I tore up the cardboard box and made use of it too. And after I was finished, I washed my hands really, really well. The truth, of course, is that most people in the world don't use toilet paper. That dispenser in the restroom was put there for Westerners like me. In Thailand, as in most countries around the world, people use squatting commodes. They clean themselves with buckets of water and ladles, which, by the way, were provided free of charge in every one of those stalls. But for me, in that moment, a lack of toilet paper was a real crisis. And in the midst of that crisis, it became exceedingly difficult for me to keep anything in proper perspective. Isn't that so often the case with God's people? The story we encounter in the book of Exodus is a tale that is propelled by profound irony. But little snippets like the one we heard in our first lesson make it hard for us to see that irony. In Exodus 17, we read that the people of Israel had journeyed from the wilderness of sin until they got to Rephidim, where there was no water to be found. Give us water to drink, the quarrelsome and parched people said to Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our livestock with thirst? Their crisis was real. Unlike toilet paper, people and livestock really do need water to survive. But the need for water isn't what makes this story so ironic It's how quickly the people of God had forgotten what had happened to them before they even showed up at Rephidim. In Exodus 16, the previous chapter in this story, the people had grumbled about a different problem. This time, it was hunger that had them upset. If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, they had said to Moses. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Does that sound familiar? In response to that crisis, God had given the people quail and manna, which came from heaven. By God's mighty and miraculous hand, 
God had caused food to appear out of nowhere to make sure that God's people did not starve. And after that, just one chapter later, do you think God's people had any reason to believe that God would allow them to die of thirst? Turn back yet another chapter or two in Exodus 14. This time, the people were grumbling about Pharaoh and his army, which were chasing down the people of Israel. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? The people cried out to Moses, What have you done bringing us out of Egypt? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Can you hear that pattern? Of course, God had not abandoned them that time either. Instead, God told Moses to lift up his staff and stretch his arm across the Red Sea to divide the water so that the Israelites could walk across on dry ground. In response to that miracle, the people sang a song of rejoicing to God, to God the one who had triumphed gloriously, to God who was their strength and their might, to God who had become their salvation. But any time the people of God journey even just a little ways into the wilderness, a crisis is bound to find God's people. And every time it does, our nature is to forget all the things that God has done for us. Why did God bring us out of Egypt? Why did God set us free from Pharaoh's yoke by God's mighty hand? Is it really just to kill us and our children and our livestock with whatever crisis comes next? God has not brought us this far only to abandon us now. Yes, the crisis we are facing is real. And no, I'm not talking about toilet paper. There are so many things for us to worry about. I'm preaching right now to an almost empty church because our congregation isn't able to gather in person but must instead assemble virtually. We don't know how long this pandemic will persist. We don't know when we'll have enough testing supplies to determine who is infected and who just has the allergies that come with this time of the year. We don't know whether our hospitals and pharmacies and other medical institutions will be able to keep up with this crisis. We don't know what those people who depend on schools and churches and other agencies will do for food if all of those organizations have to close their doors for weeks or even months. What will you do if you're exposed to the virus? What will you do if someone you love, someone you depend on, someone you cannot live without is diagnosed with COVID-19? I don't know. We don't know. But we do know that through it all, no matter what happens, God is with us. God has not brought us this far only to abandon us now. 
the Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you at the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. We don't know how long it will be before the answers we seek spring forth from the rock like a gushing stream. We don't know if those answers will come instead as a trickle, just a few drops at a time. But we do know that God will be there, standing in front of us. The record of our faith is undeniable, God is always with us, most of all when God's presence is hardest for us to perceive. In a crisis like this, it is easy for us to forget that we are not alone. Cut off from our church and from one another, we begin to think that our problems might win, that this crisis might get the best of us but it won't. It can't because God is with us. No matter where we go, no matter what happens, our God is with us. Even if we make the grave our bed, the psalmist tells us, God is there. Before the people of Israel left that place, Moses gave it a name. He called it Massa and Meribah, literally testing and quarreling, because that was the place where God's people had tested and quarreled with God. The crisis that those people had faced became a monument, not to the answer God gave them, but to the fact that they almost allowed themselves to believe that God had given up on them. At times like this, the crisis might make us feel just like that. It may cause us to lose our perspective and forget that we belong to the one who has always come to save God's people. Do not lose heart. Do not let your worries keep you from seeing the truth that God is with you. Do not forget that no matter what the test, God will always save us. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.